You are listening to a podcast from Essendon Presbyterian Church in Melbourne. Uh, yes, you have uh, the freedom to, um, uh, which is wonderful, uh, the freedom to, um, to, to worship God uh, either as a, uh, a Jew, a Christian, or a Muslim. Um, but uh, it's, it's with much difficulty. Um, they've had to go into bunkers um, to be protected from uh, uh, bombs that are raining down right now. So uh, does Israel need your prayers, of course? Of course, uh, uh, the highest priority in Jewish life is to save life. That life be uh, saved, not uh, taken. Um, so uh, again, just reminded of our freedom here in Australia, where we can you know, freely uh, worship and um, uh, that's that's really such a blessing. You know, um, the ministry of Celebrate Messiah uh, is is predominantly to the Jew first uh, here in Australia and worldwide, um, where we want to uh, share our um, uh, our mission statement, and that is to bring the message to the original messengers. This good news. Uh, of, of, of the Messiah who has already come uh, to be our atonement, um, to be our personal atonement for each and every one of us. Um, and, of course, um, the gospel came uh, through Jewish people, and now it's going back again to Jewish people. So... As the body of Christ, we have a great responsibility, friends. And um, that is to share this wonderful message with our, peop- our Jewish people right here in Melbourne. Um, uh, it can't only come through a person like me, <laughs> because the, the job is too big. Um, it, it'll take the body of Christ to do this work together. So... Um, Please, uh, before you go, uh, have a look at uh, my little book table or book bench, should I rather say, at the back there um, uh, with our uh, newsletters on and these books there um, which might get your attention. Um, and of course, uh, some of what I'm going to share about here this morning, um, Isaiah 53 is also on that bench uh, there as well, so you can have a look at it, um, and that would be a great blessing. So, we are at Resurrection Sunday, are we? Yay! Yay! Jesus is? Yes! Yes, we, this is, this is the best news, the best news ever. And, of course, uh, remembering the death and burial of the Messiah that we did on Friday. Um, But today we are celebrating the resurrection of the Messiah. Hallelujah. He is not dead. Uh, He has risen. Um, And so I would like us to take a look um, at the death, burial, and resurrection of the Messiah from a Jewish perspective here today. Uh, we are going to see how the gospel was promised uh, already in the Old Testament, as the Apostle Paul explained in Romans chapter 1, 
verses 1 to 3. Um, he says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle and set apart for the gospel of God, the gospel he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures regarding his son, who, uh, who as uh, to this uh, earthly life was a descendant of David. Paul defines the gospel to the Romans and he says, uh, it is the gospel he promised beforehand through the prophets in the Holy Scriptures. Well, there are many prophets we can look at here today, but we are going to look specifically at the gospel in the prophet Isaiah. I uh, collaborate and liaise with a number of rabbis here in Melbourne. And there was one time where I really wanted to get to the bones of um, asking uh, this question of what we're looking at here today. Um, um, Isaiah, uh, there's, of course, many more scriptures in the Old Testament that speak uh, magnificently of our Messiah. More than 300. But, but this one. This one is omitted from our scripture readings in synagogue today. And it bothers me why that is the case. And so, um, speaking uh, with a particular rabbi here in, in Melbourne, you know, uh, we, we are open books and of course, uh, he knows that I'm a Jew that believes that Jesus is the Messiah. And I said to him, you know, Rabbi, why is it that we leave this particular reading out um, of our readings through the year? And he said, Barry, I'll be as clear with you as you are with me. We leave this one out which is Isaiah 53, because it is too controversial. I want you to remember that. And, of course, that's a very powerful truth that he spoke to me. And I said, thank you. Thank you for your honesty. This chapter has changed many Jewish lives. From death to life. And so this morning I have divided this portion of scripture into five sections. The first one, uh, uh, Isaiah 52 uh, the Messianic Paradox, uh, the second one, uh, uh, Isaiah 53, the Messianic Message, uh, the third, Isaiah 53 again, the Messianic Sacrifice, the fourth one, 
uh, Zion 53 again, the messianic death and burial. The fifth one, the messianic ministry. So let's have a look uh, this morning at the messianic paradox. And uh, Bogdan, you're doing good, brother. Thank you. Uh, 52 verses 13 to 15. You are not going to sleep here this morning, I tell you. You are going to be wide awake. We are going to read together. So when I count to three, we read. Are you ready? Okay, good. One. Echad. Stein. Shalosh. Verse 13 says that my servant will act wisely. He will be raised and lifted up and highly exalted. The term highly exalted uh, in the Hebrew, it's venisia, is mostly used only of God, which is very interesting. I think we uh, see very clearly here a three-phase exaltation of the servant. The servant will be raised up, speaking of Yeshua's resurrection from the dead. He will be lifted up, speaking of Yeshua's ascension into heaven, and he will be highly exalted, speaking of his session, his sitting down at the right hand of God. Ephesians verses, uh, chapter 1, verses 19 to 21 says the following, And his incomparably great power for us who believe, that power is the same as the mighty strength he exerted when he raised Christ from the dead and seated him at the right hand in the heavenly realms, far above all rule and authority, power and dominion, and every name that is invoked, not only at the present age, but also in the one to come. In verse 13, it says here, his appearance was so disfigured beyond that of any human being, and his form marred beyond human likeness. How can this servant at one moment be exalted and at another be humiliated and be caused to suffer and be disfigured? Well, this messianic paradox caused the ancient rabbis much uh, consternation. How can the Messiah uh, both suffer and be glorified at the same time? So, they came up with 
the idea of two messiahs. Messiah ben Yosef, who is the suffering messiah, and Messiah ben David, which is the victorious, the glorious messiah. But the cross, too, is a paradox. The cross, the place of torture and death, became the place of victory. The cross became the place on which the Messiah defeated his enemies of death and the, and the devil. For he was raised from the dead and he disarmed death. And so through our faith in him, we never have to taste death again. The cross is the place that God has brought us atonement, forgiveness of sin, and eternal life. If we believe it's true, and only Messiah Yeshua. For this is what it says in verse 15, he will, so he will sprinkle many nations. The word sprinkling here has the priestly idea of making atonement. You can see that particular reference in the Old Testament in Leviticus chapter 16. And so it was that Yeshua's blood was shed on the cross to bring us forgiveness, atonement. He has not only brought forgiveness for Israel, but for all the nations as well. That is uh, something that is so, so, so beautiful picture to me. I go to, uh, I've lived in Israel, I go to Israel often, um, I visit the uh, the Western Wall, you know the Western Wall, the Wailing Wall? The place where uh, the second temple was destroyed. And that temple was there as a house for all the nations. The priests, the high priest, would make intercession not just for Israel, but for the whole entire world. An amazing, amazing place. So much happened there. Let's uh, look at the second part of what we want to see this morning, the Messianic message uh, in Isaiah 53, verses 1 to 3. And so we get in there, yes. Thank you, brother. Okay, let's do it again. One, two, three. Thank you. The prophet Isaiah begins chapter 53 with a question 
that is more like a lament. Who has believed our message? It is as though the prophet projects himself into the future and predicts that the message of the Messiah would, be, would not be believed. And of course, that is still our lament today. Not many of our Jewish people have believed this message, and not even the majority of the Gentile world. Part of the lament is, and to whom has the arm of the Lord been revealed? The arm of the Lord in Scripture is always used in reference to God's salvation and power. And if you look back at Isaiah 52 verse 10, it says, The Lord will lay bare his holy arm in the sight of all the nations and all the ends of the earth will see the salvation of our God. Now God is spirit and does not have arms, but his arm is made flesh in the Messiah. The Messiah is God's salvation. That is why the angel said to Mary and Joseph, you shall call his name Yeshua. Yeshua, for he will save his people from their sins. The name Yeshua means God is salvation. So to whom has the arm uh, been revealed? Not many. But praise God, he has uh, given uh, and, and been uh, revealed to us. What a privilege to know the Lord. The people I mentioned to you when I first started speaking to you, they're very close friends of ours who don't yet know Yeshua as their Lord and Savior. They're Jewish people. And I'm hoping, I'm, I'm really hoping and praying that, that God is going to reveal, even while they are right now in the midst of a terrifying situation in Israel, that is, God is going to reveal His only Son to them. We have such privilege to know the Lord. But with such great privilege comes great responsibility. We are called to be the bearers of this messianic message. In verse 2, um, I believe uh, it speaks of the time in which Messiah was born. He was born in times of great spiritual dryness. He was like a root out of dry ground. The priesthood had become completely corrupt. The Romans were ruling and oppressing the people, and the nation of Israel had not heard the words of God through a prophet for 400 years. It was truly dry times. There was nothing 
in His appearance that we should desire Him. This is contrary to all those pictures and movies made about Yeshua where He looks more Danish than Jewish. The scriptures say he was not physically beautiful. The Messiah had to be plain. Otherwise, he would have attracted people for the wrong reasons. Verse 3 tells us that the Messiah was despised and rejected by men. This verse uh, really spoke to me when I wondered why my Jewish people did not accept Yeshua. The prophet has already predicted 700 years before that his own people would reject the Messiah. So let's go on to the third part of what we can see here in the Gospel of Isaiah, and that is the Messianic sacrifice. Verses, chapter 53, verses 4 to 6. Echad, Shtaim, Shalosh. But he was pleased for our transgressions, he was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us peace was on him, and by his wounds we are healed. We all, like sheep, have gone astray. Each of us has turned to our own way, and the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. Thank you. When I lived in Israel a number of years ago, uh, 87 and 88, um, I uh, would attend some of the yeshiva uh, um, schools. Uh, yeshiva is a, uh, um, a Jewish Bible college. And um, in one of the colleges where I sat down to hear the rabbi speak and to teach, he taught on this word of shalom. And what stood out to me, because if you, you know, if you're in Israel, you say in Shalom all the time. When you greet somebody and when you say goodbye to somebody, it's a greeting. But that word, when you look at it in the Hebrew, it means to have wholeness in your mind, in your body, and in your soul, and in your spirit. I loved the way he taught on that. It was really beautiful. I don't think there is another passage in Scripture, both Old and New Testament, that sums up so well in clear language what the Messiah has done for us. He has taken our sins upon himself as our sin bearer. People thought that Yeshua was dying for his own sins. But Isaiah said that he was pierced for our transgressions. He was crushed for our iniquities. The punishment that brought us shalom was upon him. The shalom that we can 
experience is the shalom that comes from a relationship with God. Do you know that that's, that very presence of shalom is what brought me to faith in, in Jesus? I could not deny his presence. For well, once our sins are forgiven, we can know God in an intimate way. Romans chapter 5, verse 1, uh, the Apostle Paul, Rabbi Shaul, again speaking, since we have been justified through faith, we have shalom with God through our Lord Yeshua HaMashiach. Verse 6 says, uh, We all like sheep have gone astray. We have all turned to our own way. We have all turned to our own ways of trying to get to God. How many times have I heard uh, people say, I have my own ideas on religion. Well, that's exactly the problem. We all have our own ways. And we have all gone astray. But what about God's way? God's way is through the Messiah that he sent as a sin bearer for us. John chapter 3 verse 16, which you know so well, says, For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, that whoever believes in him shall not perish but have eternal life. Let's have a look this morning then at the fourth part of this, of the gospel in Isaiah 53, which is the messianic death and burial in Isaiah 53, verses 7 to 9. One Three. He was assigned the grave with the wicked, and with the rich in his death, though he had done no violence, nor was any deceit in his mouth. The first sentence of this section shows us the voluntary nature of the servant's suffering. He did not open his mouth. This passage is describing the manner in which Yeshua was judged uh, and his patience uh, and silence when he stood before uh, the Jewish uh, Sanhedrin and the Roman governor Pontius Pilate. It is not as though Yeshua remained utterly mute. No. The time of his uh, trial, uh, he but he never answered any of the false accusations 
that they were bringing against him. He only ever answered when the accusations were not false, but true. Like when they asked him, are you the king of the Jews? <coughs> Yeshua replied, yes. Verse 8 says, by oppression and judgment, he was taken away. This, I believe, is a reference to the way in which Yeshua was prosecuted. The Jewish Sanhedrin was uh, always guided in their judicial uh, proceedings by a principle that it is uh, their business to save life rather than to destroy life. However, in the case of Yeshua, the hasty proceedings and the mock trial before the Sanhedrin were in flagrant contradiction to those regulations that were supposed to govern all their procedures. Verse 8 goes on to say, For he was cut off from the land of the living for the transgression of my people he was stricken. The Messiah died for the transgressions of Isaiah's people, the Jewish people, and for the sins of the whole world. Romans chapter 5, verses 6 to 8, again the Apostle Paul talking, he says, You see, at just the right time, when we were still powerless, Messiah died for the ungodly. Very rarely will anyone die for a righteous person, though for a good person someone might possibly dare to die. But God demonstrates his own love for us in this, that while we were still sinners, Messiah died for us. Verse 9 describes the death of the Messiah. He was with the wicked in his death. He was crucified next to two criminals. But instead of being given a criminal's burial, he was placed in a rich man's tomb, Joseph of Arimathea. And the comment that we see at the end of verse 9, very important, this all happened to him even though he had done no violence, nor was there any deceit in his mouth. The Messiah was without sin. He was perfect. That is why he could die for the sins of others. For when he died, death could not hold him down. And he rose from the dead on the third day according to the scriptures. Which scriptures were those? Sorry? Yes, it was the Old Testament. Let's look at the fifth and last part of what we want to discuss here this morning, and that is the Messianic ministry of our Messiah, chapter 53, verses 10 to 12. One, two, three. 
This last section of Isaiah 53 sums up what the Messiah has done for us. His ministry on our behalf. So let me first point out that the prophet says in verse 10, it was the Lord's will to crush him and cause him to suffer. This brings to naught the accusations that we Jews have had to bear for almost two millennia, that we killed Christ. Anyone who accuses the Jewish people of this crime show the absolute ignorance in the scriptures. For it was the Lord's will that the Messiah dies for our sins. And this is what the last part of verse 10 says. The Lord makes his life a guilt offering. Koban Asham. The Messiah was a guilt offering for sin. And as an offering, he had to be perfect in every way. Just as the offerings of old in the temple. This is why the Rabbi uh, Shaul, Apostle Paul, he declares this in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 21. He says, God made him who had no sin to be sin for us, so that in him we might become the righteousness of God. Verse 11 tells us of the Messiah's resurrection. After his death, he will see the light of life again and be satisfied. As a result of the resurrection, we are justified before God. As it says, by his knowledge, my righteous servant will justify many, and he will bear their iniquities. To be justified means to be made right in God's eyes. Now, none of us deserve to be just uh, in God's eyes. We are all sinners. But God has chosen to give the Messiah as a sacrifice for sin. So that through our faith in him, we are made right before a holy God. Rabbi Shaul says again in Romans chapter 3 verse 23 to verse 24, he says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Jesus Christ. 
So let me finish off this message uh, here today with the last part of verse 12. For he bore the sin of many and made intercession for the transgressors. When Yeshua was on the cross, he prayed for those who crucified him. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they do. And he now is seated at the right hand of God, still interceding on our behalf as our great high priest. So let me ask you here this morning, do you have a high priest like this in your life? Do you have this sin bearer in your life? Either you accept that the Messiah has suffered and bore your sins upon himself, or you will have to bear your sins yourself. Rather, let the Messiah be your sin bearer. He longs to do so. He gave his life so that you can live. Don't turn your back on the greatest gift of all, eternal life. 1 Peter, chapter 2, verses 21 to 25. And so... We will end off together with this verse. Echad, Stein, Shalosh. Instead, he entrusted himself to him who justified us. We himself bore our sins in his body of our so that we might die of sins and live for righteousness. By his wounds you have been healed. For you were like sheep going astray, but now you have returned to the shepherd and overseer of your souls. Thank you for being so patient. Shalom.